0: Last spring, you chose hard-working seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort, comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed perform on your acre. Because you can't fake performance, and bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest.
2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
3: We are live, Zach, on YouTube. It is the Huddle Up podcast coming to you, simulcasting live on YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always is my partner in crime who covers the NFL as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are on a Wednesday night, kind of a sleepy Wednesday night in the bye week for the Denver Broncos. How are you hanging, dude?
4: I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm I'm wondering um how Jazz Broncos fans are entering this by, if they're riding the wave from that, that win, or if they're going into the next week wondering where the Broncos are going to go at quarterback. I still think that's the question on everybody's mind. Hopefully, we'll get some questions. We can talk about that tonight.
3: Yes, absolutely. We will get to all that stuff, including what's on the minds of our great listeners, viewers in real time here. Let's welcome in a few as the room begins yes. to fill up. We got uh, Kristen, Matthew, Big Daddy Kane, Jerry, uh, Anthony, what's up, you guys Stewart? What's up, my brother? Salute. We uh, we got some things to talk about and again, guys, as you know, the drill here, if you have questions or things you want to get off your chest, things you want us to analyze, hit it in the comment stream and we will get to it. But meanwhile, a quick reminder before we dive into the main meat and potatoes of today's show, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, you guys at huddle up pod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse. Of what's happening with the show in real time You're always going to get the notifications when we go live Whether you're on YouTube or Facebook That'll happen, but when we have announcements When we have change-ups in the programming schedule You want to stay on top of it And that comes through Twitter, so take care of that And then take some time, leave a creative review On Apple Podcasts Tell us how we're doing, if you like what we're doing Give us a 5-star rating
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network
1: Getting that just right temperature
2: All right,
3: Zach, before we get to everybody's comments here and start in questions, let, uh, let's let talk about what Vic Fangio had to say. I thought this was interesting. About Mr. Garrett Bowles. Now, of course, Fangio is only going to do one presser this week, and he's already done it. It came on Monday because it is the bye. But he was asked, you know, when you saw Noah Fant have – You know, he finally, the the floodgates opened when he had that 75-yard catch and run. And then the whole rest of that game, you could just tell he was feeling his oats, right? He was was confident again. He was feeling good. And so Fangio was asked, you know, could that happen with Garrett Bowles? Could it be that Garrett Bowles, you know, is playing with more confidence or could he play with more confidence? And let me read this quote. Everybody check this out. Fangio said, quote, I think Garrett kind of plays with more confidence than you think and maybe then is warranted. He didn't play too bad yesterday. Again, he's a young player still, especially in light of his limited background in football before he got here. It's our job to maximize and make sure we're doing everything possible to develop him. If the guy has talent, we want to maximize every opportunity to develop it. Close quote. More confidence than you think, and Zach, maybe more confidence than is warranted.
4: I just don't understand how it's... it's Pretty sad how a late game uh, drive-killing penalties, that constitutes a not-bad performance from your wannabe franchise left tackle. I don't know when or how the bar was so lowered at such a crucial spot. I don't know why the Broncos were keep dressing up Uh, Garrett Bowles and putting lipstick on a pig here, but it's not confident to me if he's getting worse by the week. If you can't just be consistent in that, don't commit penalties, don't hold guys, and don't hurt your own team, he still can't even master that concept. He's going on 28 in May. He's in his third NFL season with the best line coach in the business, and we're still getting up there and saying we should have confidence in Bowles or he has confidence because he had a not bad performance. I don't buy that at all. I really don't. Well,
3: and going back to Fant just for a second, if you go back and watch that play, the 75-yard catch and run, Bowles gets blown away by Olivier Vernon on that play. He just he just gives up the edge to the rush, and Brandon Allen gets destroyed. Like, mm-hmm. he barely unloads that ball and gets just smashed by Vernon. Bowles, you know, I wrote about this today at milehighhuddle.com. You guys go check out the article. But Garrett Bowles leads the NFL currently with 11 penalties that have been called on him. now the broncos have actually been surprisingly lucky in how few of those penalties zach have actually been enforced the opponent has only accepted five of those because they come on third down right they come on third down and it's a failed play there's also a flag and the opposing team just goes ah yeah we'll decline it and they punt but 11 dude 11 10 of them are holding one is uh is false start now my thing with this is the is the credibility crisis because you know the players they see this game in and game out i mean he's basically good for at least one penalty and then a few facepalm moments as a blocker each and every game and you know the players in that locker room are going you know what this is bs man because there's no accountability and when there's no accountability and you got your head coach up there preaching death by inches and and ownership and and accountability you begin to lose credibility in the eyes of your players, and that's my biggest concern.
4: Ten holding penalties, though, in nine games. That's that's more yeah. than one per game. That's just inexcusable. I don't care who you are, but for a guy they drafted uh, fairly high in the first round or you know, not toward the bottom of the round, they put a lot of faith in and they stuck by over and over and over again. I don't see how you can slather that up. I don't see how you can spin that into a positive. The guy is holding the team back, and just like Pax and Lynch – Even though he wasn't starting, the fact that he was on the team, that bad juju, that bad energy, just that bad presence alone, it brings down the entire operation. So if or when they unload him in the offseason, it will help the Broncos just by him not being in the lineup, by by him not being in the locker room. You hit the nail on the head. There's no accountability with the guy because of his draft pedigree. If he was a third, fourth, fifth-round pick, He'd be cut by now, but because yeah. he's Elway's first rounder, they're going to keep trotting him out there, getting quarterbacks blown up, holding guys, and killing drives. I, I, I will never understand it, and I, I won't understand it until he's gone.
3: Adon says, is it possible that Denver may keep Bowles as a backup instead of cutting him? And my thing is this, like, I really don't, I mean, John Elway, what was it, Paxton Lynch, 2016, 2017, cut, at the end of 2018 camp. So two and a half years he held on to Paxton Lynch before cutting him, uh-huh. cutting bait on a first round pick. I don't think, you know, Garrett Bowles being already in year three, I don't think honestly that they're going to cut him. I think they'll let him play out his rookie deal. They're not going to extend the fifth year option. This is just my, my uh, bet on how this thing unfolds. But even if you keep him next year, you cannot start him. He can't be a starter. So Adon, is it possible that he could be the swing tackle? Yes. In fact, you could probably do, Zach, a lot worse than Garrett Bowles as your OSHIT option on swing tackle. A starter goes down, left or right. You got Garrett Bowles. You can go in there and hopefully stop the gap, et cetera. But you absolutely have to dig through this draft class coming up, which is replete with offensive tackle talent. And there's a lot of draft content right now going up at milehighhuddle.com. So you guys got to check that out to start familiarizing yourselves with the 2020 draft class but zach if they don't go left tackle early in, right. in the first round and that's why i want them to get drew Locke on the field as soon as possible i want to quash and squash any possibility of the broncos going after a quarterback this year unless Locke gets out on the field and just completely is a train wreck for four or five games
4: Uh, That's a really good point. I hadn't considered if they want to go quarterback in round one next year versus going left tackle in round one. They have to know where to go. But I agree with you, whether they keep him around or not, they cannot go into 2020 with him being the incumbent and no one behind him. Whether they sign someone, trade for one or draft a guy in the first, second round, whatever, they have to have competition for bowls. If he's on the roster, fine. If he ends up being the swing guy, fine. But they cannot hand him the job again because he's going to continue being Garrett Bowles. The guy is not going to change. I would say at this point it's indisputable. He's a first-round bust.
3: Can't, can't deny it. Can't argue it. Stewart says, any word on a contract for Justin Simmons? There has been some there's, – there's nothing definitive, but I've been hearing things that talks are taking place. There's some buzz going on now. That's just rumor at this stage. I would be remiss to report that as any form of fact. That's not what I'm saying here. But there seems to be, Zach, some kind of momentum building. You know, John Elway has kind of waited until here we are now in the third quarter of the season. Maybe you could argue he should have got him locked up earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But after he kind of crapped the bed and seemed to almost regress last year in his third year when everyone was expecting him to take that quantum leap forward – I understand why the team is kind of weighted in terms of getting him signed up on an extension, but now's the time. Like if you wait much longer, it's just going to continue to climb the cost. Justin Simmons has become a, a advanced analytics darling. His star is rising. I mean, he's, even though this is a three and six team, there's a good chance he's making the pro bowl this year.
4: Yeah, if they would have signed him a couple months ago, they would have got him at a cheaper rate. But then again, they didn't really have the cap room. That's why they did the Flacco deal to give them more breathing room. It will get done, whether it's this season, I think, or the offseason, preferably before he hits the open market as a free agent. They can save some money. But yeah, the the better Fangio's defense has played, and they are playing at a really high level right now, especially the secondary, a lot of that has to do with Simmons, and he's really kicking into gear in that back end. He will get locked down, um, and the sooner they can get that extension done the more money they will save. I just think it's a matter of time, not a matter of if.
3: Steven, with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Thank you, Steven. Appreciate you, brother, keeping the lights on in this place. We really appreciate you. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Here's one from Costa. Draft Grant Delpit, the LSU safety, and move Jackson to corner. I don't think that's going to happen, Zach. The Broncos are super intent on keeping Jackson at cornerback. and you know They'll drop him down and play a little nickel here and there as far as playing slot corner, but they like him at safety. And I think this year his production speaks for itself in terms of whether or not that's the right decision.
4: Don't fix what's not broken. You have a, a, an older veteran in Kareem Jackson balling out right now. You have a young, up-and-coming potential pro bowler in Justin Simmons. That's a really special duo you have. And the Broncos haven't seen that since Darian Stewart and TJ Ward when they were actually playing at a high level. So I would not uh, upset the apple cart. I would keep Jackson at safety and, and, and look for a pure cornerback in the draft. Jaron
3: wants to know, what's taking Elway so long to extend Simmons? He's playing at a Pro Bowl level, and we are—we just touched on that. But, again, I think the biggest reason why, Zach, is the team expected Simmons to take that leap forward last year. It didn't happen, and I think the front office was willing to charge that to the game in terms of the coaching staff. They are like, all right, you know, it was Vance Joseph. We didn't see a whole lot of development taking place during his two-year reign as head coach let's see how he does with Vic Fangio and Fangio if you can go back through his time in Chicago San Francisco you can keep going back to Baltimore Carolina Indianapolis Safeties in his scheme tend to have prolific production it's just um, it's just a, it's a scheme that's friendly to safeties
4: right. It's only a matter of time, and I think because of the fact that Broncos were going through that losing streak, I don't think re-signing players or uh, contracts were on the top of Elway's totem pole. He was dealing with quarterbacks and Fangio and all the different different moving parts going on. It's a matter of time. It will happen, whether it's the next couple months or in the offseason sometime. He will remain a Bronco Justin Simmons for the long term.
3: Christy, coming in with a $10 donation on Thank Super you, Christy, Cat. You are awesome. She says, saying that Bulls only had 10 holds, is better than last year, is a sad shame. And Spot it really on. is. Yep. Jack, it's an embarrassment.
4: I, I don't understand. It's like that's why I'm saying. Why are you lauding Garrett Bowles for playing with confidence or whatever Fangio said? Ten holding penalties in nine games. If you're averaging one per game, there's some linemen who go seasons without committing a holding penalty or maybe one or two. But to have 10 in nine games, it's inexcusable. I don't care who you are. But the, it, it makes it worse when you're a first-round draft pick. Big Daddy Kane
3: says Mark Schlereth went in on Bulls. And while that's true, I think he actually went in more on he, John Elway. He threw down on his old teammate. Yep.
4: Yeah. And he apologized after, which I didn't understand. I don't... He was absolutely right in what he said about Elway, that he couldn't develop or, or form an offensive line worth a squirt, I believe his quote was. And then yeah, he goes into... A squirt of urine. A, squirt, a, a, of a urine. squirt of urine. That's right. That's right. And then he issues an apology. I, I understand why he wants to come off professional. He might not want to... Uh, uh, ruin his access with the team, but he was spot on with what he said. I, I think that Schlereth really spoke for all the Broncos fans and some of the media with his comments.
3: Stewart, with a $25 donation. Thank you, Stu. You guys, you are awesome. We appreciate you so much. And now and he says, do you think the emergence of Alexander Johnson makes up for Denver passing on Devin Bush? You guys, I'm not losing one wink of sleep over the Broncos passing on Devin Bush. Like, he's been, seriously, like Noah Fant is already you know, from a, his impact this year has been marginal, right? You don't see, he's not Julius Thomas circa 2013, 2014, or Shannon Sharp back in his prime. We get that. But even the modest production that he has had as a rookie, Zach, no fan is historical so far, at least in the Broncos, he's already caught more balls as a rookie tight end than any tight end in Broncos history. And it's adding up too in terms of he's up there with the Gronkowskis of the world Mm and what he's doing as a rookie. So, you give it time. You also get competent quarterback play there. Noah Fant's going to be a huge hit for this team. That I have no doubt. And to answer Adan's question, Alexander Johnson definitely make has helped make up for the fact, Zach, that they didn't prioritize inside linebacker in the draft.
4: It does. And if you look at it like, would you have Alexander Johnson and Noah Fan or just Devin Bush? I would take the two for one any day. And while Fan, some people called him a bust, he was performing slowly. He was always a 2020 draft pick and beyond. But like I said on the reaction pod, when he caught that long touchdown, he was galloping like Gronkowski to the end zone. You saw the glimpse of talent and you saw how high a ceiling can be in the NFL. So uh, Johnson has been a hell of a find. I give Elway a lot of credit. The only thing I question is what took them so long to play Alexander Johnson. Why were they going and banging their head against the wall with Todd Davis and Josie Jewell? But better late than never, and he's turned into a great, great player. I love watching.
3: Jer says, do we extend, or did we extend, excuse me, Alexander Johnson? Well, no, he hasn't been extended, but that's not even a consideration till I think at the soonest next year because the Broncos are going to have his rights. I'm not sure off the top of my head now. I can't remember if he's a restricted free agent in the coming spring or an exclusive rights. He's one of the two long story short, though, the Broncos are going to have control over him at a relatively modest cost for 2020. But I think it's going to be a conversation about this time next year, if he sustains it. And I think the team believes that he is because he is actually the highest graded inside linebacker right now per pro football focus. Like he is, he's playing ball, you know, balls to the wall, if
4: you will. Hey, you nailed it, Chad. I think, um, Uh, They'll have him under their control for very, very cheap next year. and They're they're not going to bid against themselves. They're not going to give him a new deal where it's not warranted just yet. He's been a revelation this season. I think he'll enter 2020 as a starter at inside linebacker. If he keeps it up, if he's still, like you said, if he's still this good uh, next November, then start contract talks. But I don't think anything's going to materialize until then. It can't be a flash in the pan. They have to make sure it's real.
3: Holden wants to know, which free agents would you re-sign and who would you let walk next offseason? Zach, I'm going to answer a couple and then throw it over to you. One guy that I'm ready to let walk is Adam Gotsis. I mean, solid two-down run stuffer as a five-tech defensive end, but he's just not an impact guy unless you can get him on a veteran minimum, but there's probably going to be some team out there that sees more and will, will be willing to pay him more. I wouldn't want him back. Simmons is at the top of the list. Chris Harris in a perfect world. Now, this isn't what I think is going to happen. I'm just telling you what I would do if I was making that decision. I would put, as even though it's a lot of money to tie up in the, in the uh, you know, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Chris Harris, that's a lot of money that you'd have tied up in the secondary. However, you, let's just say it is Drew Locke next year, or maybe it's Brandon Allen just as a possibility. Either one of those options, you have a cost-controlled quarterback, which means that you can invest in the defense, in Fangio's strength as a coach. Yeah. And you, you have young talent at the skill positions. You know, you tweak the offensive line through the draft. And that's a model that could succeed. So I'm, I'm all about trying to find a way to get Justin Simmons and Chris Harris Jr. both back in Denver.
4: And the thing is, even with Flacco's uh, contract restructure, the Broncos are going to have loads of cap space next offseason. So they can they can re-sign Simmons and Harris if they wanted to. Simmons is a no-brainer. I agree with you on Gattis. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't mind if Derek Wolf walked. I wouldn't mind if Devontae Booker walked. Uh, but but Simmons. Is the number one you have to assign him? Chris Harris Jr., maybe a two, three year deal, maybe a little hometown discount if he wants to be kind and uh, give a little back to Elway. Maybe not, though. I wouldn't be opposed to that. They're going to have the cap space. It just comes down to what Harris values. If he wants to become the highest paid corner where he wants to play, if he wants to play for a contending team, I uh, will have to wait and see how that shakes out. But Simmons is far and away the number one free agent you got to bring, bring back.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Shuler question, why does all the Broncos analysts keep giving Chris Harris high praise? I don't care if he's kept a guy quiet all game. You can't let someone kill at the end of the game, and he hit, he does that. That has kind of been an unfortunate pattern this year from Chris Harris Jr. is shuts down his opponent, smothers him all game, and then in crucial situations, he's allowed the big catch, and we saw it in the Colts game. We saw it in the in the Bears game. I'm trying to, oh, excuse me, uh, the the Jags game. It's happened, and it is an unfortunate aspect of it, but I don't know what you do, Zach. I think that's just you charge it to the game, and you hope that as these players get more time in Fangio's scheme, the pass rush is more consistent, because that's the one thing Fangio said on Monday is that, you know, how are you feeling about the defense? And, you know, he used some coach speak and platitudes, but the one thing he did say is I'd like to see our rush be
4: a little more consistent. That was exactly my point. It would help Chris Harris in the secondary. Von Miller would get to the quarterback or do his job like he should be doing. Uh, them not getting it to the quarterback in crunch time is hurting the secondary. They can't cover forever. I'm not excusing Chris Harris Jr. I don't think he's the best quarter in the NFL. I think he's among the best. I think he's definitely elite, uh, but he's prone to breakdowns too. I wouldn't necessarily blame him for any loss or credit him for any win. He's still playing at a high level. I, I agree, though, with the basis of the comments saying he's far, I think, in my opinion, from being the number one corner in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, you could maybe have argued that just for the fun of it in the spring,
3: but as the number one guy this year, he's up there. I mean, I think at worst, he's a top 15 corner, Chris Harris. Yeah, easily. I think, I think more realistically, you could say with with relative accuracy that he's a top 10 corner, and... He deserves to get paid that way and right now he is being paid he's making 13 and a half million or whatever it is this year and he's up there but he still thinks he's intent to make top corner money and you know we'll see whether or not always going to be willing to pony up on that big daddy kane chipping in 10 bucks on super chat thank you um you are the man got he says keep on the good work guys I always try to make time for these pods we appreciate that and we're trying to stay consistent on the time you know so each and every month, let's see Sunday night, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. The pocket for Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday is going to be right around 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's when Zach and I are going to try and come to you. And then the Sunday pods, the gut reaction, it's just literally whenever the game gets over, whether it's a morning right. game, afternoon game, or evening game. So um, we'll be consistent. You stay consistent, Big Daddy Kane. We appreciate you. DJ says, what if Brandon Allen balls out for the rest of the season? How will that affect the decision on Drew Locke and or the drafts act?
4: I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. I'm not being a Brandon Allen hater. I I just think at some point or another, he's going to fall down to earth with a, a performance befitting a guy who has no experience. He was playing really well in the Browns game. Give him a ton of credit. He energized the offense. But let's just play devil's advocate and say he does keep winning. And like I said on the gut reaction, how do you pull him out of the game? How do you pull a hot quarterback for a guy who hasn't seen one snap and has all this hullabaloo surrounding him? So it's going to work against Locke if Brandon Allen keeps balling out. I don't think that'll happen. I think that he can have a a under average performance as soon as the Minnesota game. And they would consider going to lock then, but as long as Allen keeps winning, I think Elway and Fangio, they just can't risk doing that to the guy's confidence or or just uh, make another bad decision there.
3: The key is they can't turn away from starting the practice clock on lock next week. That's the key because just because you practice drew lock doesn't mean that you have to play him, Zach. So Right. You know, he's he's going to need a couple weeks minimum of practice. Well, a week minimum of practice, but I would say two weeks, solid weeks of practice before, as a team, you feel comfortable and confident of rolling the dice and putting him out there. Meanwhile, what is Brandon Allen going to face coming out of this bye in those two weeks? you got the Minnesota Vikings and Mike Zimmer, who is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. He's right up there with the Fangio's of the world in terms of defensive X's and O's. He's got a game of tape now on Brandon Allen. He can look at what the scheme was. Rich Gangarel dialed up for his new quarterback. He can look at what the tendencies were from Allen, and albeit only forty some odd snaps that they had in that game because Cleveland absolutely dominated time of possession. But Mike Zimmer is gonna gonna have something to say, and it's on the road. Then the Broncos come home. They practice for a week. Then they got to go all the way out to the East Coast again uh, for Buffalo. So Zach. I really don't see the Broncos at this stage winning either one of those games. So you come out of week 13. Now you're at three and eight time to play drew Locke. but I still think the Broncos wait. I really think that Mike Kliss uh, in between the week seven and week eight, right after the Broncos got trounced by the Kansas city chiefs, Zach, if you remember Kliss had that report where he quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes for our, our our podcast listeners in the future here. (laughs) Speculation that, Drew Locke will start week 16 and 17 if he starts at all. That was something that he was told directly from the team, what the plan is, that they're going to act eventually activate him so that he's the backup for the final quarter of the season and maybe play in week 16 and week 17. And Zach, even if if Brandon Allen comes out and goes, let's see, he's one, one and two, one and four or five, he's not going to play till week 16 or 17. I'm just telling you that's the way it's going to be.
4: I hope it doesn't go that way, though. I, I hate that Ready Elway op, operates with this fixed mindset in a league that's so fluid. I mean, that to me is worse than Elway's ego, just his way, his rigid way of thinking. It's so stationary. You can't make that call. It's a true week-by-week basis. Then again, though, I don't think Kliss or, or Fangio or Elway would have known that Flacco would be gone for the season either, so that kind of changed the playing field. If like I said, if they come out and lose his next two games, I don't see, that's the only way I could see Locke playing. But if they if they split those games or if they go two and oh in those games, how could you pull Brandon Allen out of the lineup for a guy who hasn't seen one snap? Unfortunately, you just can't do it.
2: Yeah.
3: And you know, if that's what happens, that'll be a good problem for the Broncos to have. But these next two games, man, they're gonna be a true test. Daniel coming in yeah. with a twenty dollar donation on Super Chat. Thank you, Daniel. You are the man. Jerry says, "Sure, are we sure we've seen the last of Flacco? What do well, you I hope exactly?
4: so. I, I I, really do, and I'm, I'm so glad I get to say that because I really do think we've seen the last of him. Uh, we talked about that in previous pods. His contract, it won't preclude Denver from moving on next offseason. Yeah, they're going to have to swallow some, some dead money, but they can still move on. And I don't see, for his... His psyche for the fan psyche for the team, how you can ever go back to the guy, especially if you're going for a youth movement. So we have definitely seen the last of Flacco as a starter, and I firmly believe he's taken his last snap in a Broncos uniform.
3: I do not disagree. Jordan says, has the emergence of Alexander Johnson made Josie Jewell expendable? I know a lot of people were high on him, but he seems to have disappeared. Zach, I think that, let's see, Todd Davis, one, two, he's got one more year left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. He's under contract through 2020. Yeah. And then by that point, Josie Jewell will be going into a contract year. I don't necessarily think Josie Jewell has been rendered expendable by Johnson's emergence, but I think he's he's going to have to beat out Todd Davis next year if he wants time on, on defense. Alexander Johnson seems to have this thing socked away as, as that starter. I mean, he's literally turning into a star.
4: I was going to say, if anyone it makes Todd Davis expendable, because they can get out of his contract, he's making about $5 mil a year, and that's versus Josie Jewell, who's making peanuts. So I'd rather go for a starting combination of Jewell, who's a good tackler, and Johnson, who's good in coverage, as opposed to Davis, who's old, overpaid, and not as uh explosive as other players. So if anyone, to me, it makes Davis expendable, and I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him in the offseason or traded him.
3: Devin says, what do you think are the three biggest positions of need for the Broncos in this upcoming draft? I would say O-line, corner, and maybe a receiver or D-lineman in no particular order. Zach, let's just, for the sake of this conversation... Throw out quarterback. Throw out quarterback, exactly. I would say offensive line, left tackle specifically, corner, probably... Yeah, I think wide receiver. I think Devin hit it right on the the nail on the head because Cortland Sutton is a bona fide number one now. And guess what? No other wide receiver caught a pass last week. He had a five for 58 and a touchdown, did Sutton with eight targets. Deshaun Hamilton, nothing. Uh, What was it? Uh, Deontay Spencer, he had a touch, but it was on a jet sweep and he fumbled. So I think obviously what that – is intimating here, Zach, is Deshaun Hamilton. We're all high on him and he is a good route runner, but it's not coming out in the wash. The Broncos need to get a bona fide number two of opposite of Cortland Sutton.
4: Yeah, I um I could see them doing that, but I will double dip without going quarterback. I will say left tackle and I would say a guard or a center, only because Leary might be a gone next offseason. I don't really have crazy confidence in McGovern being the 10-year center starter at center. So maybe they can double dip left tackle, uh, guard or center. They have to prioritize it. Even if they don't have a starter, what we learned, they have to have guys in a backup capacity who they can develop and can come in at a moment's notice. But I agree. If you want to take it just for one position from the O-line, left tackle, corner, wide receiver, um, I think that's that's the way they go in the offseason.
3: And Don, coming in with some another good question, do you think the $30 million in dead money – that the Broncos are expected to have in 2020 will hurt the team's cap or the possible future. I really don't see it being a problem because they're still expected to have north of $70 million in available cap next right. year, Zach. They're going to be able to spend some coin.
4: Yeah, and they've carried uh, dead money for a, a couple years now, and they're paying Case Keenum a, a, a significant amount of dead money this year. And the Broncos have the ace in the hole, though, and that's Mike Sullivan, the cap wizard who can finesse the cap. And there's ways to get around it. But you're right; the amount of cap space they're going to have way outweighs the dead money they're going to they're going to be uh, faced with next offseason. They're not going to be in trouble when it comes to spending money or acquiring talent.
3: Blue says, "Has Vaughn lost a step?" We've we've think- we've spitballed this. We've speculated it has. Father Time taking a toll finally. I mean, every player eventually slows down. We saw it from DeMarcus Ware in Dallas. Eventually he slowed down and the team, he made himself, he was expendable and they cut him loose. Do you think Vaughn has lost his step or is this a weird comedy of factors, including the new system with Vic Fangio and a struggling team that has led to what you're seeing from, from Vaughn?
4: I'm going to give Vaughn the benefit of the doubt because if if he can do double-digit sacks in Vance Joseph scheme, uh, I really do think it's the Fangio system and just being a weird year. I mean, every athlete has a down season, and this happens to be Vaughn's. If he's lost a step, I don't think it's physical. I think it's mental and emotional. I think he's being worn down by the constant losing, the constant changes, the, the just the bad negative headlines. So I think he's a little apathetic toward the emotional aspect of the Broncos. Physically, though, you put him on another team, let's say the 9 I mean, he's gonna have 15, 20 sacks. He's still a phenomenal player. And I think if not this year, the rest of this year, he will bounce back in 2020.
3: So dead money, Aaron, is if you have, you know, if you have a hundred dollar salary cap, just to use a round, easy figure, okay, and you have thirty dollars of dead cap, that means that you only have seventy dollars to spend on free agents. If that makes sense. That's that's what dead cap means. So it's just money subtracted from what you're available and able to spend on your credit limit so to speak let's grab one or two more and then we'll get out of here for tonight and uh circle back tomorrow bear with me guys here's one from uh, buona beast if you could take a broncos player to your prom <laughs> <laughs> who would
4: you choose I, <laughs> i'd take I, von miller dude he's, he looks like he's a lot of fun Right. I was going to say Vaughn or maybe Philip Lindsay, someone, Derek Wolf, Dalton Reisner would be a great, big, great wingman to have at your prom or a great guy to hang out with. So one of the guys that's fun to party with, fun to hang out with, one of those three I would take.
3: Tony says, on Blue's comment, would you make Vaughn restructure to help other needs knowing that he's in a down year? I would have, I would at least broach the topic with Vaughn and see what kind of pushback I get because, you know, Vaughn recognizes he hasn't been up to snuff this year and, you know, even if it's a restructure that frees up cap um something I mean he's is is he worth the twenty million he's making this year today? Has it been worth the money? Hard to justify that, Zach, this year. so if you're the Broncos, you've got him under contract, isn't it through if I'm not mistaken he's through twenty twenty one so I don't know man that's that's a tough question because you also risk pissing off a player and keeping the you know keeping things copacetic between him and the team. and as you've talked about a lot over the last few years, Zach. That was a pretty acrimonious process after Super Bowl 50 that played out between he and and Elway leading up to his mega
4: deal. And you really can't make a player restructure. It has to be an agreeable process. So if he wants to come help the Broncos out in their salary cap, if he feels like he got overpaid for the season, um, he's the type of guy that would do that. He's a great individual and a consummate professional, but knowing how acrimonious it was and how combative Elway and, and Von Miller has been and, and all the changes, I mean, Vaughn has seen teammate by teammate by teammate, especially on defense, being shipped away, being sent out unceremoniously I don't really think he has that much loyalty to Denver for the long term. So if that's the case, I don't see him getting giving money out of his pocket back to Elway.
3: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. You guys, last one here from Aaron, and then we got to cut you loose for tonight. He wants to know if there's any chance we acquire Cam Newton. And for those who missed it, Cam Newton has been placed on season-ending injured reserve. So, you know, he he barely played for the Panthers this year, and they're having themselves a surprisingly good season without him with Kyle Allen. Is that a we've we've talked about this on previous pods when this became a trope, I don't know, four weeks ago. What's your answer here for Aaron?
4: I mean, Elway being Elway, it, it it can't be ruled out. That's his M.O. is acquire veteran quarterbacks, high-priced guys who have succeeded in the past, and, and Cam Newton falls into that. But I believe now Elway, after the Flacco disaster, he's firmly in that young youth movement. That's why he's starting Brandon Allen. They have Ripon. They have Drew Locke. They have three young quarterbacks, and chances are one of those guys will turn out to be a, a starting caliber player. I don't see Newton coming here. I, I think he will be playing elsewhere next season, but I don't think it's going to be in Denver. I pray it's not anyway.
3: That would be a colossal mistake. Cam Newton's yeah. tapped out, you guys. He's just, he's not where he was. And, yeah. you know, charge it to the injury bug. That's what's cost him his, he's just not anywhere close to the player, the MVP that he was in 2015, but. You guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Big thanks to everyone for joining us. And special thanks to our donations on Super Chat. Each and every one of you you guys, guys, that just, it means a lot. And we have a few things we're almost ready to announce on what we're going to be doing special for our listeners and viewers who donate on Super Chat when we go live like this. So stay tuned for that. But we'll be back tomorrow night at this same time, Six-ish Mountain, um, on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. You can see here for our viewers, how to follow Zach on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen and uh, have yourselves a good rest of your Wednesday night. We'll be back tomorrow night. Cause even though it's the bye, we're going to keep the content coming to, to you guys daily. So for Zach Kelberman, Zach, have a good night, my brother too, man. We will. Uh, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night six mountain eight eastern have a good night guys
2: you've been listening to the huddle up podcast join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going
0: not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore